Thanks, Bill. <coughs> I'm really glad you shared that, Bill. Um, I had about two or three different messages that I wasn't sure what one to bring. And you were talking this morning about the blood, I'm thinking, all right, well, I'll do that one. And then I was thinking about another one, but what you, just, what you just shared there is really what I was initially going to share. And it's to do with Mount Zion. It's the Mount Zion generation. And when I speak about this, sometimes we, we've read these scriptures before a hundred times and we need to hear in the spirit. We need to hear what I'm saying in the spirit. So I just want to pray first of all that the ears of our spirit are open and that our spiritual eyes are open, that we enter into another dimension, we enter into that realm beyond the sacred veil. Because for us to influence leaders and governments and Nicola Sturgeon like that, we need to know how to live in another realm. We need to know how to function from Mount Zion. Because Mount Zion is actually the governmental arena of heaven that this generation is going to learn to live in and walk in. It's not going to be like any other generation where it's just us with an anointing, with a gift. It's actually what Christ always intended, that we learn how to live from Mount Zion. So let me just start by reading the scripture in Mount Zion. And when I read this, again, listen in a way that we've never heard before. It's as if, listen as if we've never heard this scripture. Because we can easily read this and bypass what it's really saying. But if we really grasp what this is saying, this will change our lives. And it says this, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So it says you have come to this place called Mount Zion. It doesn't say you will come one day in the future. It doesn't say you will go there one day when you die. It says you've already come. So when you were born again, whether you realized it or not, your spirit is actually in a, another dimension. And this dimension is called Mount Zion. And probably thousands of years, 2,000 years of church history, I think Christ's ultimate plan is to have a company of people on earth who know how to rule from heaven. Our prayers and everything, our intercession, everything we do is going to change because we're going to realise that we, as Bill said at the beginning, are actually coming from a place of victory. We're not trying to get victory. We're enforcing the victory that Christ died for. But we've got to know how to live in that other realm, that place called Mount Zion. And it says we have already come past tense to this realm, this place called Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion? In simple words, it's the governmental arena of heaven. It's a place of government. And I'm going to go through lots of scriptures today, if that's okay, about Mount Zion. Because I think this is critical to what Bill's talking about. This is critical to us governing nations. This is critical to us governing Scotland in the spirit. Because otherwise all we're doing is praying from here and our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. When all the time the veil has been torn. 
all the time there's access into the heavenly realms, into this place called Mount Zion. And in this place called Mount Zion, it's really the government and courts of heaven. It's the city of the living God. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. It's a heavenly realm. We're not talking about the actual physical place called Zion in Jerusalem. We're talking about a dimension of heaven that you actually have come to, whether you realize it or not. And I think these days, more and more, our spirits are becoming aware of other realm. We can either have revival on the earth or we can learn to live in heaven. There's something greater than revival. I love revival and I really believe God will move again and we'll have revival. But what God's looking for is ambassadors that Bill spoke about a few weeks back. People who stand in that glory realm, people who stand in that throne room, literally, who know how to go there. And how do you go there? By going into the secret place, by getting into the place of prayer, being still. And it's all by faith. We've got a friend, Ian Clayton, and this is how he would do it by faith. He would imagine the heavenly courtroom. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, right? So it's not wrong to use your imagination. He would actually imagine heaven. He would stand physically up, and each day, he would take a physical step like that every day and go, I'm stepping into heaven beyond the veil. He would imagine a curtain there, and sometimes, actually, he would have curtains up, and he would deliberately, physically walk through the curtains. And he did this for about a year, saying, I'm stepping into heaven. I'm stepping into heaven. Until one day, he did it, and he was actually in heaven. So how do you step into Mount Zion? By faith. But you don't need to physically step in like that. That's just the way Ian did it. You can just step in by turning in, by closing your eyes, by setting your mind on things above, by worship, through worship, by focusing on him, by being still. It's, what I'm talking about today is not just another wee sermon. That's, oh, that's lovely, that's nice. Oh, that's great. No, if we don't step into this, it's meaningless. I might as well sit down. But we need to step in by praying in a secret place, by being still into this place of the heavenly Jerusalem where there's countless angels. It's the assembly of those registered in heaven. The church is there. Now, this is a bizarre one. The word for church here is the same word that we use all the time, ecclesia. In other words, the ecclesia, the governmental assembly, is supposed to function from Mount Zion. It's supposed to function from heaven. It's supposed to be us there, not just having a nice little meeting, and there's nothing wrong with having a nice meeting, but that is not the true function of the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the governmental body of people who know how to govern as kings and priests in heaven. And God the judge is there. I spoke about the courtroom the other week there. God the judge is in Mount Zion. The courtroom is in Mount Zion. And the spirits of the righteous who are made perfect, that's the cloud of witnesses, Jesus is there, who is our advocate, and the blood is there. We spoke about the blood. Do you know that thing? We've not had a real revelation of the blood. Paul Keith Davis is a prophet in America who I love. God was showing him all this amazing stuff about the mature sons that's coming on earth. All creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons. Something greater than any visitation we've ever seen. Something greater than any revival we've ever seen. I love reading about revival, the lowest revival, the wealth revival, but there's something far greater. It's a manifestation of the sons of God on earth. The world has never seen this. But he was asking, well, how are we going to get there with all our brokenness and all our way we are? And God spoke audibly to him and says, tell my people the blood is enough. 
me and Emma have actually started taking communion every single day. Every single day we take communion. And we, we remember the communion is a covenant. What is a covenant? The covenant is that every single promise in the Bible, every one, is yours. And the covenant is as you take his body, you take his blood, you're actually asking him for the fullness of salvation. You're asking him to be transformed into the image of Christ. That all the stuff that hinders us, no matter what it is, is disintegrated in us, is burned up in us. That the blood doesn't just cover, it actually wipes out sin, it destroys iniquity, it destroys every barrier, every bondage, everything in us so that we can walk in the fullness so that nothing can hinder us. So that the fullness of God can flow through us. So that we can actually not just have visitation, which is revival, but we can have habitation where God comes and dwells fully. But this is all in Mount Zion because the blood speaks in Zion. So I'm just going to go through some scriptures now and, and just to give us an idea about what Zion is like, what Mount Zion is like. And I'll just read the, what I just said before just to recap. Whether we realize it or not, we have come to a place in heaven called Mount Zion. And what is Zion? It's a governmental arena of heaven. It's the place where the king dwells. Psalm 2 verse 6 says, But as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy mountain. When you step into Mount Zion, the king is there. Well, actually, he is the king of kings. And we are kings. And we are actually seated there. And God is actually looking for a generation who know that they are called to be there. We're all called to be there. This is not a special calling for a special preacher. I think that's maybe where we've went wrong a lot of times. We're always looking for the special speaker to come, the American special speaker to come and bring a revival. When all the time God is looking for you. He's looking for us. He's looking for us who are, who, who are kings. We're just as much kings as anybody else, any special speaker. God has maybe had to anoint special speakers because we've never grasped the reality of who we are. And it's not just a title, oh, you're a king, oh, that's lovely. You're a king with power. Do you know the kings in the Old Testament, when they spoke, their words became law. Like King Nebuchadnezzar, when he spoke and made a rule that they had to bow down to a statue or they would get burned in the fire, his words became law. Your words become law. That's another thing me and Emma have been doing every day now, decreeing every single day. We've actually, and I encourage you to do this. Do you know there's a book written about you? Um, basically with your destiny in it. But we've got the good, the acceptable, or the perfect. And it's up to us what one we want. We can have just the acceptable, just good, or the perfect. And what me and Emma have done is we've written down everything we know is in that book. How do you know what's in it? First of all, just it's a divine knowledge. Like, what are you born for? What's your destiny? It could be prophecies given to you. Write down the prophecies that have been given to you. You know it's a word from heaven. Write it down. Dreams you've had, like Bill just shared two dreams he had. Write these things down. Write down dreams. Write down prophecies. Write down just the, the knowledge you've got. I know I'm born to see a nation changed. Whatever you know you're born for, write it down. It could be an encounter you had. It can just be scriptures, obviously. 
Every one of us can claim that. Everything in the Bible. Write it down. And that, what I would do is, and this is what me and Emma have done, we've written down our dreams, we've written down our prophecies, we've written down their encounters, and we put it into decrees. So we're not just reading it going, that's lovely, and then put it in a corner. You take it out and say, I decree that that will happen. I declare that that will happen. You begin to speak it as a king. By faith, you're in Mount Zion, and you're speaking your future into being. Because how many people do we know who've had prophecies? Amazing, amazing prophecies, but then they die and they don't fulfill it. Doesn't mean the prophecy wasn't real. The prophecies are conditional, most of them. I think we need to be proactive. We need to be aggressive. I think we need to take the kingdom of God by force. By force. How do we do that? Write down your prophecies. Write down your dreams. Write down what you know you're called for and begin to decree it every day. That's how we enter into it. That's how you enter into it as a king in Zion. Decree it to the earth. And you know you're in God's will because it's God who gave you the prophecy. It's God who gave you the dream. It's God who gave you the encounter. This is very practical stuff, but I'm telling you, it's powerful stuff. You actually speak your future. Rather, i tell you what happens if you don't. You just glide along through life. You get through one week. You get through another. You have a few bumps in the road. You try to just fight just to survive. You're trying to fight just to get to the next meeting so you can get a little boost. And you just make it to the end. Whereas God's saying that if you do this, you won't just make it to the end. You're going to be flourishing. You're going to be so successful. You're going to prosper because you're a king. So the king dwells there. It's where the judge and the justice system dwells. Let Mount, this is Psalm 48, 11. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the people of Judah be full of joy because you are right in how you judge. I did the courtroom message was it two weeks ago or something? God is the judge. We can go to the courtroom and ask for things that are unjust against us or ask for a scroll to be fulfilled, a destiny to be fulfilled. Think about the legal language I spoke about a few weeks ago. God is the judge. Jesus is our advocate, our legal expert. The blood speaks. We've got a cloud of witnesses. Satan is the accuser. The whole court system is in heaven. When you go there and there's any accusation against you, you just simply say, Lord, forgive me. See, that's what true repentance is about. It's not about necessarily feeling bad or guilty or condemnation. It's definitely not about condemnation. It's simply saying, Lord, forgive me. Why? It closes the legal loophole so that Satan has no legal right into your life anymore. So that when God says, okay, I want to bless you, I want to give you favour, Satan will come and oppose as the accuser because he comes to the court to accuse us day and night. When he comes, if we close that legal loophole by simply repentance, then whatever he brings against you, the judge will say overruled. But oftentimes we've not known that and we've got maybe things that have never been we've never repented for and therefore the devil's got legal rights into our lives so the court system is all part of Mount Zion it's a place of joy as Bill just said those whom the Lord has paid for and set free will return they will come to Zion with singing joy that lasts forever will crown their heads they will be glad and full of joy sorrow and, and sad voices will be gone when we enter into this place of living in Zion, knowing how to go to Zion, there's a place of joy that's undescribable. There's a place of joy, joy unspeakable, as the old song says. I have joy unspeakable. I forget the words, but it's powerful. 
Why? Because you're with the King. You're with the Lord. You're in his presence. You're in the court system of heaven. All of heaven backs you. All of the government of heaven backs you. You're not alone. You're surrounded by angels. The angelic realm is there. And when you speak, as Bill is taught, the angels go out to fulfill your words. Because it's not just your words. It's the words that God's given you to give. That's the difference. It's not just us deciding we want a car or something. But it's God's will, it's God's plan, it's God's purpose. I call it the scroll of heaven for your life. When you begin to decree that, the angels are sent out on your behalf. It means we can be proactive and we're not just victims anymore. Sometimes we're just sitting back waiting on our destiny unfolding when all the time God is waiting and you speaking from Zion. And that's why it's a place of joy. Isaiah 2 3 says, We, we will be taught from Zion. And it says, many people shall come up and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways. Do you know there's an actual generation on earth right now who are learning how to go to heaven and be taught by the Lord himself? There's something God is doing right now that's actually beyond anything we've ever seen. And part of it is being taught from heaven, being taught by the Lord himself. It doesn't mean to say we don't listen to people, though, because we need wise counsel. We need wise counsel run about us because I've seen too many people say, I don't need to be taught by anybody, and then they go into mad, crazy doctrines and nobody can ever tell them. But at the same time, we can be taught by the Lord himself, and he teaches us by using people sometimes. But it is about going to heaven and being taught by heaven. There's such a realm of revelation right now. God is beginning to reveal things and mysteries and secrets that maybe he's never revealed. Why? Because there's a generation who know. And how do you do it? Heaven is as close as the air that you breathe. Going to heaven is no somehow looking up there and going far away somewhere to some far off land. Heaven is as close as the air that you breathe. Jesus says heaven is at hand. The Jews actually believed that the heavenly realms was right there, close as you can breathe. So you turn in by silent prayer, being still, meditating on the word. You simply turn in by worship. You gaze upon him, you worship him, you turn into that realm, and in that realm, he teaches you. Many times when I want to know what God's will is, or I want to just, I just want the Lord to speak to me, I just go into that realm of just being still. And that is you turning into his realm in a very practical way. And then he teaches you from Mount Zion. You're taught by the Lord himself. The word will flow from Zion. The word of the Lord will flow from Zion. I love this one. It says, Many people shall come up and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We shall walk in his paths. From out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I'm, I'm convinced we're going to hear the word of the Lord again. Bill and myself, years ago, I, I was in the apostolic church, and... When I used to watch as a wee boy the, the prophets, because they, they believed in apostles and prophets before anybody ever believed in that. But they had people there who were real, 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 real prophets. Like the anointing, the presence that came when they spoke. I, I remember it. And maybe there's something coming even greater than that, though. But I remember the power on My grandpa walked into an old apostolic meeting. They never knew who he was. And the prophet would be sitting there with his eyes closed. 
and would basically tell him everything about his life. They would tell him his name, my brother Miller. Then they ask him and say, do you know someone called this a lot? It was much more authority speaking. They, they just went to my brother Miller and told him about the tobacco in his pocket. If he took the tobacco out and threw it away, he would be delivered. And he was, instantly. Like they had power and authority. The word of the Lord. But I also think there's an element of this that we're going to see. And it's Jeremiah 23, 18. And says, but which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? Jeremiah 23, 22 says, but if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my word to my people and would have turned them from their evil way and from their evil deeds. I am convinced. All through the Old Testament, it talks about the counsel of the Lord. It's a place, but it's also a company of people. I believe in these days, God is going to raise up his ecclesia. But if you like the true apostles, if you like, and prophets, which I don't like even saying words like that, because it could be anybody God uses, are going to stand in the counsel of the Lord again. A real place, but with a real company of people. It's not going to be the level of prophecy we've been taught I think we've been, in a way, messing about with breadcrumbs. I think a lot of the prophecies that we've been messing about with is just breadcrumbs, and it's okay because we've been children. We've been children. And you need to be children. Children need to be children. But I believe God is calling us up into a place, into the councils of heaven, where we're <coughs> going to carry the unadulterated word of the Lord to Nicholas Sturgeon, to others. And sometimes it will be blessings and other times we'll be tearing, tearing things down like Jeremiah. But that's why we need to be dead to ourselves. Death to self is so much part of this. Because we cannot decide when we're going to speak curses and when we're going to bring blessing. We cannot do that. We, are, we need to be so mature. We need to be so stable. We need to be so engrafted in his word. We need to be so graft, engrafted into his nature, into his character. We need to know the true character of Christ. We need to be, I think it was Bill who said a while back, when Kenneth, was it Kenneth Hagen? He gave some heavy words at the end of his life, I think, about America. But people like him were, they, didn't ever, they never preached that kind of thing. They preached about love. They preached about grace. They preached about mercy. So when God gave them the message of like, maybe judgment coming to certain areas. It was almost against their nature. They didn't want to bring that kind of word. And that must be what it's like. It's like Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. It's not that there's loads of preachers out there now who just want to curse everything. They want to doom everything. They want to bring judgment to Britain and America. We can't have that attitude. It's got to be, we've got to be walking in love and mercy and grace. But at the same time, because we are like that, God can trust us. He can then trust us to bring a word of correction and discipline but it all comes from Mount Zion the councils in heaven it's not going to just be a little gift of prophecy where we, we see a few little things and again I'm not mocking anybody because we need to start somewhere and learn but there's a realm of God that's so weighty the apostolic church had it when they brought a word it was weighty 
you knew God was speaking. I remember walking in as a child with my mum and dad to the Apostolic in Glasgow. And I didn't see the prophet because he wasn't up front with a microphone. He just was well, sitting on the platform with, and his head bowed. And I literally thought it was God speaking. I was looking up thinking God himself was speaking. That's what I thought it was. I thought, and it was really. Because the man was out the way. They were only trying to be seen. There's a company of people on earth right now who will know how to go to the heavenly Zion, how to climb the secret stairs, if you like, and hear the word of the Lord, and then release the word on earth. I call it oracles. And it is scriptural. It's not just something you see in a movie. First Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracles of God. I did a study a few months back and God gave me a revelation never, I'd never seen before. And it was all to do with the tabernacle, the outer court, the holy place and the most holy place. And what I discovered was we call it the holy of holies, which is okay. But that's not what they called it. If you look at the old King James version and the actual translation, it was actually called the Oracle. The most holy place was called the Oracle. It was the place people went to, like the priest, or even David spoke about it. They went to the place called the Oracle to receive oracles, to receive the word of the Lord. And I believe, again, we're going to see oracles on the earth I'm not talking about weird people. I'm not talking about people we worship. I'm talking about humble people who truly know God, who know how to go into that other realm. Teachable people. We need to be teachable. Because if we're arrogant with what God gives us, God can't use us any longer. We need to be absolutely teachable. But we're going to walk in this realm of oracles. I believe some people in the past touched upon it. And when you see or hear about that, it's unimaginable power. Like Charles Finney, he, he had to whisper. He actually had to whisper when he spoke because men were cut to the heart and were slain on the ground, crying out to God. George Whitfield, people could hear his voice for a mile and a half away, supernaturally. There was a little man in the apostolic church who probably nobody knows his name because it wasn't about knowing his name. And he prayed so much. He was in that realm of the Spirit so much that all he needed to say to unsaved people was Jesus. That's it. And atheists would begin weeping. But he didn't preach. It's because, do you know the difference between us and the early church? They preached Christ, but we preach about Christ. In other words, they manifest him. All we do is we've got good points, good sermon, good poem. And I love poems. There's nothing wrong with poems. But you know what? You know the point I'm making. They preach Christ. Hugh Black from Struthers would call it the emanation of Christ. People just emanated Christ like Peter's shadow. It wasn't really Peter's shadow healing, was it? It was the emanation of Christ. They were totally immersed in him. 
They were totally surrendered and yielded in him. They were already walking in heavenly places on earth. And Christ emanated through them. They were oracles. Then when they spoke Peter on the day of Pentecost, it says there were all 3,000 people were cut to the heart. That kind of preaching's coming again. The oracles are coming again. And also people who've stood in the councils of the Lord. 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Here's an interaction of the councils of heaven. And it's to do with Isaiah 6, 1 and 8. And this is very appropriate right now. Because I really believe God is releasing the coals to our lips. To be oracles. And it says, as you've read this before, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending to him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over, I am doomed for I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips. And I will live among a people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, yet I have seen the king. He saw this heavenly realm, he saw this heavenly encounter, he saw the king who is in Zion. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. This is the part. Then I heard the Lord saying, Whom shall I send as a messenger to the people? Whom will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. In other words, this was a council meeting in heaven. He was seeing the king. He was seeing the seraphim with the coals of fire, putting it on the lips of people. And he heard a discussion and the discussion said, whom will go for us? Plural. There was a discussion in heaven about who will go? Who will go with the message? Who will go with the calls of fire? Who will allow God to put the fire on their lips? And that's the same call today. Who of us here will let the call, let God put the call on their lips? It's not about self-effort. It's not us cleansing our own self and our own lips. It's the calls from heaven. It's the blood. It's the fire that he sends. And Isaiah overheard this council meeting and he said, here am I, save me. I want to make this statement. What would happen if Isaiah hadn't seen into that council meeting and hadn't actually said, send me? What's happening in council meetings just now that we are not even hearing about? What if God is speaking in the councils like this and there's nobody to say, send me? What if God is saying to us today about, I don't know, Nicola Sturgeon or Westminster or anything he wants to speak about in the council? Isaiah had to join in. He didn't just see a vision and go, that's lovely, wow. I saw this and I saw that and then we move on to the next thing. He said, here am I. In fact, before we move on, if you want to say here am I, then let's just say it. Father, we just thank you for your counsels in heaven. And Lord, we thank you that you are still asking the same eternal question, whom will go? 
And I say, and if you want to say, you say it as well. Here am I, send me. Put the coals to my lips. Let the flame come. Let the fire burn up all iniquity. And may my words be pure and anointed and born from above. Heavenly words, kingdom words. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We just read scriptures like that. But this is actually telling you to enter into heaven. Because it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Question, where is the throne of grace? It's not on earth. Legislation shall be released from Zion. Isaiah 2 verse 1 to 3. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. We shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. Out of Zion shall go forth the law. In other words, we are the government. I know this is difficult to believe, but Jesus says, whatever you loose on earth. But he's not just talking to anybody who, who lives a unholy life. He's talking to yielded ones. <coughs> and when I say that, don't let condemnation come on us and think, oh, I'm not holy enough. It's not our holiness either. <laughs> God is teaching us, his people, how to access the courtroom of heaven. I've already said that, but I'll go over this little bit here. Revelation 12, 11 says, and you've maybe never thought about this like this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. There's three things there. Overcoming by the blood, giving their words of testimony, and living not their lives unto death. The word testimony comes from the Greek word martyria. It literally means giving evidence. It means testimony. It means to witness. So in other words, we think we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by telling people about Jesus. That's what we think it means, don't we? It's not saying that. When you give your testimony, you're actually giving your words in a courtroom. You overcome by the blood, by taking communion every day. I encourage people to do it whenever. Because it's how you overcome. How are we going to overcome all the evil? How are we going to overcome all the garbage that's going on? God's gave us a solution. He's gave us, as Bill uses the word technology, if you like. We overcome by the blood. By the word of our words. Our testimony in the courtroom and being dead to self. In other words, they love not their life unto death. It's not about our will. 
It's not about what we want. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about his will, not thy will be done, but his will be done, his will be done, not my will be done. Where we can actually say in reality, it's not I, but Christ. That's why we won't be our overcomer if it's all about ourselves, if it's all about me. It has to be about thee. And when we learn how to function in the courts, legislation from Mount Zion comes to the earth and changes things. I've read this last week, but I'll read it again just so that, or two weeks ago, to do with Zechariah 3, because sometimes it's good to repeat things just until it begins to sink into our spirit. And this is a, a courtroom scenario with Joshua the high priest. And it said, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan attending, or Satan standing on his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is this not a bland plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away his filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of remnant. And I said, Let them set a fair myrtle upon his head. So they set a fair myrtle upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. See, that was a courtroom situation for Joshua was there, Satan was there to accuse, but they actually gave him new clothes, which is actually the salvation message. It's about the gospel. It's about you're now righteous, you're now holy because of the blood. And actually the courtroom primarily is about us getting dealt with by God, not to punish us, not to condemn us, but to be utterly set free from everything that hinders so that we can walk as mature sons on the earth. But listen to this promise. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my charge, then you will also judge my house and shall keep my courts and I will give you places to walk amongst these that stand by. In other words, there's a promise of free access into this realm. There's a promise of free access into the heavenlies. If we'll walk in his ways, if. Yeah. I remember, and, and it as. During the Scottish referendum, actually, I think I can say it safely here and it's quite safe. I was praying in the courtroom because God told us that it was not God's will for Scotland to be separated from the United Kingdom. And I was praying in the courtroom just by faith. Just by faith. I wasn't seeing anything or feeling anything or even hearing anything. Just by faith. So this does not need to be some mystical experience, although it can be. It can just be that you do it by faith, because this is reality. This place is real. And I was praying there for days and days and days. And it wasn't just me praying. I know Bill was praying with a group of people up here. Jane, guys and down in England were praying. Lots of people were praying. You guys were probably praying. Lots of people. But what happens is, whether we realise it or not, your voices are heard in the courtroom. You maybe don't realise that. But actually... Your voice has actually been heard as a witness in the courtroom, even though you maybe didn't know about the courtroom. I was in Cowinan at the time in the courtroom, and the courtroom didn't just happen quickly. It took a while. Why? Because lots of voices, witnesses would come into the courtroom, including yours. And also the accusations of the enemy. The enemy was bringing accusations about, yeah, but look how England has treated you. Look what they've done. They've took you into like the Iraq war and all these things. 
and me as a representative of Scotland say, okay, forgive them then. <laughs> That's what you do as a priest. Because you're standing in the gap and saying, okay, as a Scottish person, I forgive them. And then Satan's going, well, I don't know how to accuse them anymore because Scotland's forgiven them. <laughs> this is a real place. Jane has got a story which is an incredible courtroom story. She had a real burden to do with how, like, children and sexual abuse and all that to do with the media and all that. And Jane took it all to the courtroom. And honestly, we're not saying we're professionals, by the way. This is amateurs doing it. But what happened just after that was the whole corruption thing to do with Jimmy Savile opened up. And it was all exposed. We can either pray down here, the way we've always done it, and nothing really changed, or we can learn how to govern from heaven. Because down here, all we're doing is facing darkness, looking at all the evil. We're looking at even the vaccine stuff. Yeah, it's all real. I'm not saying it's not real. But what I'm saying is you win from up there. Or you choose to be down here under it all. I remember Ian Clayton saying something a while back, and none of us really understood it. The scripture that says, woe to them who remain on earth. And we think that means just about the tribulation and those who are not raptured. But he says, well, what are you doing on the earth then? Like now. Because you can live in the heavenlies. Woe to any of us who live in this realm. We're dominated by it. I'm not saying we don't live here in one way. But you live above it by a living Beyond the veil. And we have been given, and I remember at the time that's why I was saying this, after we obviously did not go independent, I remember going to the toilet. <laughs> For some reason, God speaks there a lot. And God actually says, you, have, you now have a place amongst these that stand here. This promise. Because it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways and you keep my charge, then you shall judge my house and also keep my courts. And I will give you places to walk amongst these that stand by. This promise is for any of us. God is just looking for those who are willing to take part. Are willing to let the fire burn us until it's not longer us. And this is all part of the end time revelation. Because you might say, well, how come I've never heard this before? We never used to get preaching like this. Well, let me read Isaiah 2, verse 1 to 3. Now it shall come to pass in, in the latter days. Right? It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, we will walk in his paths, and out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This shall come to pass in the last days. Mountains represent government. You can have the governments of the earth, and you've got God's government. And it says that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of all the other mountains. All the mountains of evil, all the mountains of corruption, all the mountains of communism or socialism or liberalism, whatever ism you want to mention, all these mountains are nothing because the mountain of the Lord's house shall be above them all. 
And we are part of that mountain, which is Mount Zion. And you might be asking, well, how do we do this? It's simple. Just get into the Lord's presence. Get to know his word. Meditate on all the scriptures about Mount Zion. Physically, like, envisage, use your imagination. Set your mind on things above. Imagine standing before the court. Imagine, use your imagination. And from that place, decree. Do what I said earlier. Write down what you believe your scroll is, your destiny. From prophecies you've had, from dreams you've had, from visions you've had, from encounters you've had, ones you know as God. Write it down, begin to decree it. But decree it from that realm by faith. Start with yourself, is what I'm saying. Because God's not going to give us nations and whatever if we can't get ourselves right first. So as we learn by faith how to go up into Zion, this is just a recap, we will encounter the king. The judge in the court system of heaven, the joy of the Lord, will be taught by the Lord himself. The word of the Lord and the secret councils are there. will overcome by the blood that speaks on our behalf in the courtroom of heaven. The angelic realms there, it will be sent out as we speak. Jesus, our advocate, is there to help us because he's our legal expert. So in other words, when we don't quite know what to do or we don't know if we've done it right, just laugh because you've got a legal expert who takes your words, who takes your intention, who takes your desires and puts it in a presentable way to the judge. Because he's the legal expert, we're not. Like in a natural, if you go to a natural court, I don't know how to present my case to the judge, but my lawyer does, or solicitor does, so I just give him my part he takes it and makes it legally acceptable. He does all the protocols so that it's acceptable to the judge and then presents it. Jesus does that for us. The assembly of those registered in heaven, the ecclesia, the church, should be functioning from there. And that is the greatest revelation we've got as a right Scotland, is that the ecclesia has got to function from there. And I believe we're going to see it. I believe we're going to see it but it might not be seen. <laughs> it might not be a mega church. It might not be visible to everyone, but the ecclesia will be seen. But yet it won't be seen. We're hidden in Christ. We're hidden beyond the veil. We're hidden in that secret place. Like our names are known in heaven, but maybe not on earth. Maybe they will be, but maybe they won't doesn't really matter. So the Mount Zion generation will function from heaven to earth. They will have intimate fellowship with the king of Zion. They will be marked by the joy of the Lord. They will be taught by the Lord himself. They will be overcomers because of the blood of the Lamb. They will be part of the court system of heaven. They will speak as oracles. They will take part in the secret councils of heaven. They will deliver the plumb line word of the Lord to the earth. And I loved what Bill said a few weeks ago, whatever you want to call them, the globalists, the antichrist system, Babylon, whatever you want to call them, they're going to be terrified of us. 
because we carry the word that's backed by all of heaven. What we are going to carry, what we're going to bring is oracles from heaven. And it's not them really scared of us in one way. It's because all of heaven backs us. They know whatever we say will happen. And there's just one other little scripture I want to read. I won't read all of it, actually. Actually, I will. Isaiah 33, 20 to 24. It says, Look on Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceable abode, a tent that will not be moved. Stakes will never be pulled up, nor any of its ropes broken. There the Lord will be our mighty one. It will be like a place there the Lord. There the Lord will be a mighty one, our mighty one. It will be like a place of broad rivers and streams. No gallery with oars will ride them. No mighty ship will sail them, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. Your rigging hangs loose. The mast is not held secure. The sail is not spread. Then an abundance of spoils will be divided and even the lame will carry off plunder. Now listen to this one. I love this. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill. And the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill. People prophesied this, but maybe never mentioned Zion, like Catherine Kuhlman and all these people. They said there was a day coming when not one person in the church would be ill. Well, this is how, because we'll learn how to live there. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But I know this is true, no matter what I feel. No one who lives there will say I am ill. It's not talking about one day when we die, because we've already read you have already come to this place called Mount Zion. You've already came in your spirit. You're there. How do we live above all the pestilence and stuff? No one in Zion will say they're ill. So I just want to encourage you to start off just by being still before the Lord, meditating on his word. Meditate on the scriptures on Zion and the government of heaven, of the heavenly realm, of how that we can live beyond the veil. Meditate on it. Meditate on it and sit still and let it sink into you. Be still. If there's any hindrance in us, like hinders us from going there, then just go to the court and ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, forgive me. Because remember, you're closing the legal loophole. The enemy tries to accuse you and say, you cannot be here. And say, okay, I'm guilty. Forgive me. Simple. Humbly. Ask for forgiveness, and then the blood covers you. Then the enemy has no legal right any longer. Then begin to write down everything to do with your, your, I call it a scroll, your destiny. And then from that place, after you've been in that place of prayer, in that secret place, begin to decree it every day. And I tell you what, you'll see your life change. Take communion as much as possible because you're taking, partaking of his covenant. I think there's a revelation of communion coming. Paul Keith Davis actually said that. Because God showed him, I think I said this earlier, God showed him all the amazing things that we're about to walk in as mature sons. Like, the earth has never seen it. And he said, how, how do we get there? They tell my people the blood. 
Well, how do you practically do that? Communion. And read the promises. That how that we will be mature sons. How we walk in purity. How that we can be like the perfect uh, man. In Ephesians, it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are there until we walk in the full stature of Christ and become the perfect man. Lord, I ask you, you will help everyone here. Teach us how to function in Zion, not just head knowledge. But I pray, Lord God, that everyone here, the Spirit, has heard something, even though we don't always understand it with our mind. Lord, let that revelation that came as a seed begin to grow into all of us so that we can actually learn how to live beyond the veil. First of all, to love you, worship you, be your friend, but then to govern, to be government, to be kings, to be priests, to function in the courts, to function as kings. First of all, over our own lives, because you can actually only govern outwardly as much as Christ governs inwardly. I'll say that again. You can actually only govern outwardly as much as Christ governs you inwardly. So let him govern you inwardly. In other words, let him be Lord of every area of your life, every part of you. And Lord, thank you for the flame. Thank you for the coals of fire. Thank you, Lord God, for the seraphim that brings that coal. Oh God, with this little group, this little remnant group, will you do something, Lord God, with us as individuals that's marvellous, that can actually transform, change a nation, just like Bill's dream, travelling with Nicola Sturgeon, being your spokesman, being your oracle. God, we know it's possible, we believe it. We believe it. Let that realm of Mount Zion be with us, or more accurately, let us be in that realm of Mount Zion. Let us be aware more and more that it's not really you coming here, it's actually us going there. Stepping beyond the sacred veil. Living in the most holy place, the place of the oracle. Lord, maybe be holy. May we get that impartation of holiness where we can stand in the most holy place. Where we can speak the holy oracles of God to the earth. Or where we can speak the word of the Lord again. The unadulterated word of the Lord. Not out of a gift, but out of the fullness of Christ. Blood in the blood, in the soul, cleansing blood of the Lamb.
all your garments, spotless are they white as snow. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by your Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. All your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside these garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb